Have you ever asked yourself or have been asked, what is the difference between all these religions if we serve the same God? One word, grace. Grace says your sins are under the blood. Religion says you have to work in order for God's approval or else you're going to hell. Because he loved us first, we learn to love him. He's a God of relationship. He's not a condemning boss. He's a father. We don't have to buy his love. And when we do wrong, he doesn't throw our past mistakes in our face. Salvation is a gift. And God doesn't take it back. And you can find that in 1 John 4.10. And Ephesians 4.7. But grace has given to each one of us according to the measures of Christ's gift. The Bible in John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace's definition, the free and worthiness of spiritual reward. Acquired be righteous, acts made under the influence of the grace of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners. Grace is the beautiful gift that God offers to people who have done absolutely nothing to deserve it. And if you notice that part right there where it says, righteous acts made under the influence of the grace of God. So it says influence, which means because of what he's did for us, you know, it influences, you know, to love him back. It influences us to want to do right. It influences us to want to obey him, obey his word. You know, we, when we treat others with respect, we're doing it unto him. When we're working under a boss, we're doing it unto him. You know, so it's not always about what the other person does for us it's because we love God so much that we're respecting his children because of him and Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 through 9 for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest anyone shall boost See, what happens is faith plugs into grace, and grace with the Holy Spirit brings power. You have to have faith, and you have to have grace. You can't just say, oh, well, I have grace, but you don't really believe in the Son of God. You don't really have that faith that He can do it. You're just working on, oh, well, he's doing this for me, and that's the only reason I'm doing this for him. No, we have to have that faith that, you know what, as we do it for him, what's going to happen is he's going to make our path straight. He's going to take care of those that we can't take care of ourselves. He's going to, you know, when somebody does us wrong or mistreats us, he's going to take care of them. And instead of us doing it ourselves.
And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For he, as in God, made him, as in Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. For it is not us who has to convince God and, and plead over and over to let us into heaven. When we read the Bible, it helps us get to know who we serve. That's why he provided it for his people. We seek him, learn his character. Most religions describe God as this being who is selfish and just condemns. And your sins just keep piling up and it's nonstop works so God can forgive you and forgive us. But Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, He loved us even when we were sinners. Meaning before you were even born, Christ had you in his mind when he died for you. Because we are born into sin because of Adam and Eve. Because of one man's fall. It took another man's rise to take us out of judgment. In our most darkest of days, you know, if he loved us even when we were sinners, that means like the most darkest of days. That's when we didn't receive him. That's when we were really rebellious. We didn't have the Holy Spirit in us. You know, we just keep rebelling, rebelling. We'll do the things of this world that way, you know, because that's the way we were taught. We were taught, you know, like, hey, well, if a man can do it, why can't a woman? Or, you know what? That's it. I'm cutting you off because you did me wrong. And there's a lot of times where we have manipulated, cheated, and did some really awful things when we were in the world. No matter if it was, you know, committing adultery with somebody else's husband or somebody else's wife went to prison for, you know, for stealing and doing all this stuff, you know, whatever the case may be. He loved you. He loved you no matter what. He loved you even before you were formed in your mother's womb. He loved you even before you were even created on this earth. You know, he loved you. He didn't love your sin, but he loved you. And so in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, for I will forgive their wickedness, and will remember their sins no more. God himself says that. He provided the Holy Spirit to direct us and help us. Because in John chapter 6, verse 36 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. We are human. If we would have to do it all on our own, who would actually make heaven their home? The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 10, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. That seems like an impossible situation. What James is, you know, the book of James, it's saying, you know what? You can love and you can be a giver and you can do all this stuff, right? You could be a good person. Say like you don't drink at all or you drink, you know, once every four months, you know, or you think that, oh, well, I, 
or you think like, oh, sleeping with one person, but you're still not married. You're thinking like, well, at least I've been sleeping with this person for so many years and all these other ones are sleeping around. So I'm better than them. But that's not how it works, you know. So what this scripture shows that even though you've done it one time or a million times, sin is sin. So if it says right there, if you just stumble at just one point, you are guilty of breaking all of it, all of the law. If you would actually really think of that, if that's the case, you know, and if it wasn't for grace and it's just based on this scripture, then heaven would be empty. God's standards aren't human. People want something for something. Flesh gets tired. When it gives and gives, and after a while, we get restless and feel taken advantage of. It feels like what you do is never enough. God is a just God, yes, but he is also a God that provides help to do what he is calling us to do. He sent his son, and in, chap in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, don't think that I, meaning Jesus, came to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. The Bible also describes the devil's characters through the lives of the people in the Bible. He steals your peace, kills you slowly with depression, anxiety, addiction, destroys your confidence in God because he magnifies all the wrongs that you do, all the things that you still haven't done, so why would God love you? God asks us to repent because he needs you to speak it out. Because when you speak it out, that's telling God you're not, I mean, you're telling God when you speak it out, you're surrendering your problem and saying you can't do it alone. Because we all know that God hates pride. And when you turn away from your sin, meaning you make the choice to try to stop. And when it's something we know we cannot stop on our own, something that really has a hold of us, something that is really, you know, like we keep falling and we keep stumbling, whether it's a woman, whether it's a drug, whether it's a friend, whether it's a parent, whether, you know, it's a family member, you know, there's things in our lives that we just can't stop doing. And we try and we try, but our flesh just continues to fail us, you know. And so that's when God gives us the opportunity to ask him, saying, you know what, I need help. You know what, I have this sex addiction. I have this drug addiction. I have this problem where I, you know, keep cheating on my spouse or I keep gambling all the money away or I keep, you know, putting us back into debt. When you have a serious situation where it's something that's been passed on to generation from generation, it comes to a point where it's just something that's already in us, you know, because we've seen it, we've um, practiced sin, you know, we practiced it so many years of manipulation, we practiced it, you know, and we found ways into it. You know, we hustled, we made sure that, you know what, I'm going to use manipulation to get what I want. I'm going to use what I got to get what I want. And when it comes to, when we keep practicing sin, it comes to a point where it's a stronghold and it won't let us go. But God provides his help. 
And that's why when it comes to from his Holy Spirit and what Jesus did for us, it makes it possible to change those things that we don't like about ourselves. When we grow to love God more and more, we don't want to hurt him by sinning. Our morals become godly morals. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, if you, I'm going to break this particular scripture down in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Okay, Apostle Paul writes, we'll go through trials, but God's grace is sufficient for you. For his power is made perfect in weakness. Okay, what that means is, okay, in the world sense, what the world teaches us is we cannot be weak. You know what? We might as well do it ourselves because nobody else is going to help us. You know, and that's where it becomes those patterns of the world. You know what? I'm just going to do it myself. I can never count on anybody. I don't have no family member. All they do is take, take, take. When I need help, it seems like nobody else is around. When every time somebody needs help, I always make a way. Why can't people be like that the way I am? You know, and it comes to a point where we become that that ungodly independence. You know, we have ungodly morals to where it's just like, you know what? I'll just do it myself. I don't need nobody's help. But what that saying is, do not conform to the patterns of this world, which means we need to take it upon ourselves when we accept Christ in our lives. That you know what? You know what, Christ? You know what, God? The thing is, you say this. Okay, well, you know what? I need help. So I'm going to trust you. And he knows that part is going to be difficult for us. Especially from all the times that we've been rejected. All the times that we've been turned away. It comes to the point where it's like... um. God knows that we have to test him. I know people say don't test God, but when we're baby Christians, it's going to be something we can't help to do. And God understands that because he's he knows how, you know, how we are. You know, he knows that we're going to be skeptical. He knows that he's going to have to earn our trust. And yes, Jesus did die for us, but he knows as human beings, you know, we have a free will and He's not going to push himself on us saying, you know what? Well, I'm God and you have to listen. No, he wants to develop that relationship because like I said, he's not a boss, but a father. And so what happens is like, instead of going back to when we find ourselves into a, a difficult situations and until instead of going back to our old ways and Instead of going back to the old ways that we used to do things, we go to God in prayer. We go to God and say, you know what, God, I need your help. Because even the Bible says that we get not, you know, we don't get things because we don't ask for it. If we don't ask for help, then we're not going to get it. So all we're going to do is end up putting more pressure on ourselves. And it's going to be our fault. Because God says, if you were to ask him, you know, anything in his name, especially, you know, well, according to his will, he wants you to be happy. He wants you to not be in debt. He wants you to, you know, um, learn the godly morals. And he knows that we have to practice righteousness. 
you know, and it's going to take a while because just as long as we've been practicing sin when we're in the world, we have to practice that righteousness. We have to practice on doing right. We have to practice on what he says is right, you know, and to take what we used to do to where now we need to do the way he wants us to do. And by doing that, we give it to him. We ask God for help. We say, you know what, God, I need your help. I'm running behind on bills. I need your help for extra hours. I need your help for a financial, you know, a financial miracle right now. Because they're about to turn off my light. They're about to take away my car. They're about to, and I really need your help. And so don't let God be your last resort. Let him be your first resort. Instead of going back to way you used to do things, go to God first. And in that process, God's going to show you who he is. Then on Romans chapter 2, then here comes the second part. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So right there it says you'll be able to test, which means he knew we were going to test him. And after the test, you're going to get, you're going to approve what God's will is. You're going to approve of him. You say, you know what? He came through me. He came through this time. Okay. And I'm, I'm seeing you, God. I'm seeing you, how you work in my life, you know. It's not maybe the way you would want him to. But instead of like a check coming in the mail, which can happen because I've experienced it, to where now, okay, now you're getting extra hours at work. Now it comes to a point where somebody calls you and says, hey, you know, I need your help on this, this, and this. Would you mind, would you mind helping me? And you can make some extra money. You see what I'm saying? God will always make a way because that person could have called somebody else. You know, there's a reason why a lot of people don't answer their phones. Maybe God's directed them to a person that actually needs the finances at that moment. And that's another way of answered prayers. So then, you know, then that will happen. Once you let go of the way you used to do things and you say, okay, I'm going to take a chance on you, God, and ask him for help. Then before you know it, boom, you're like, okay, now I know. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10, three different times I begged God to make me well again. Each time he said, no, but I am with you. That is all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. Now I am glad to boost about how weak I am. I am glad to be a living demonstration of Christ's power instead of showing off my own power and abilities. Since I know it is all for Christ's good, I am quite happy about the thorn and about insults and hardship and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The less I have, the more I depend on him. You see what I'm saying? The less I have. The less I have to depend on myself, the less I go to him. I mean, the more I go to him and the less I, you know, depend on what I can do, my abilities, you know, my own power, no matter how many people I know, you can go and you can call these people, but 
it comes to a point where God has to be your, your source and all those things. So that's why we boost about our weakness and go, oh, you're so weak. You know, you're depending on God and he's a crutch, but we don't see him as a crutch. We see him as a living God that, you know what? I'd rather have him in my life than have him, than not have him at all. Because he showed himself real to me. He's better than anybody that we can have in our life. You know what? He shows up. And times that, you know, when nobody else was there, God always shows up. And even though there's times that we don't get our prayers answered in the way that we want, you know, and there's sometimes he will allow us to go through hardship, but it's to build us, you know, and strengthen us. And so... We find out he's all we need. We don't depend on people. You know, it's not about, oh, well, uh, this guy, he's just going to, you know, give me a hard time. And what's going to happen is, oh, he never, you know, he never looks at me or he never, you know, recognizes what I do for him. He never recognizes what I do for the company. He never acknowledges my work. But you know what? God is going to direct him to acknowledge your work. He's going to direct him to say, you know what, hey, so-and-so has actually been working hard. And the times that you think that nobody's watching, trust me, people are watching. And if you think like, oh, they're too busy or they're too, they're, you know, more influenced by these people because they suck up to them and they're, they're always the ones getting promotions because they're family members. Because sometimes that happens in the workplace to where the family member gets, you know, the big breaks just because they're family. And you could be working as hard as you can, but you don't get that that leeway. You don't get that that thing where you know it's possible. But you know what? God think all things are possible. He's gonna make sure that you know what. If this person's being biased because they're showing favoritism in the work, then God's gonna make a way to where watch their boss see you doing your work. You know, doing your work, and before you know it, you get the promotion, and then your boss is gonna be like, well. What's going on? You know, why are you choosing this person? How come you're not choosing my son? Or how come you're not choosing this person that I suggested? Because you know what? And then before you know it, God can even make a way to where you have his job. Because it's your loyalty. It's your hard work. And you know what? It's going to pay off. It might not have paid off in the past. And you might not seen things. But little did you know that people were actually watching. You know? And so... You know, people were actually watching, you know, your work. They were actually watching your attitude. They were actually watching, you know what, can this person take correction? You know what, let's see, does he take more than 30 minutes in his break? You know, does he take more than 10 minutes? Does he take more than 15 minutes? Does he, is he always late? Is she always late? You know, and there's a lot of times where it says, okay, well, this person always shows up on time, but then this guy, his boss, I put in charge of him, he's saying this one. But I've been looking at this one, and he hasn't really done anything impressive. All he does is, you know, he's taking the long breaks, and there's times where we're all like, well, I take 15-minute breaks, you know, and he takes 20-minute breaks, but it seemed like he doesn't get in trouble. Well, you know what? All those times that you were actually faithful, God was making sure that you were recognizable. You might not saw it, but God sees things that nobody else sees. And he's going to make sure he opens those eyes that are going to make a difference in your life.
you know. So, there's nowhere in the Bible that says we won't go through trials or not feel pain. He says his grace is sufficient for you. Also meaning while you go through whatever you're going through, he is with you and will help you go through it. His, okay, he is our deliverer. But also the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Okay, and this is meaning a, a spiritual death. Okay, and it's also meaning... Well, a fleshly death too, in a way of like, you know what? We have to die to self. We have to die to the way we used to do things and we give it all to God, you know? And it takes a while and it takes years. It's not going to happen overnight. But I want to point out two very important points in this scripture of Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. First off, by the blood of the lamb, which is Christ, everything that he did for you on the cross, it is finished. That was his last breath that he took on this earth was, you know, before he came back in the resurrection was, it is finished. Which means, you know, and a lot of people, they don't think, they don't see it as scripture like, oh, well, he didn't really go to hell. You know, he ministered to these people and they're, it's a whole different thing that people are saying. But it's just like, no, he went to hell. He actually grabbed the keys because of what he did. Now he gave now God gave him the authority. He worked for it, you know, because of everything that he did here on this earth for us and dying on that cross. That's what makes it possible. And number two, okay, is by our testimony. Now, this is where you're going to step in. Now, this is where all those mistakes that you have done in your past, all the things that people have said that, you know what, you're never going to be you know, as good as so-and-so, or you know what, you're always going to be a mess up, you're always going to be an alcoholic, you're always going to be a woman beater, you're always going to be all that stuff, but the thing is, it's like, but you know what, all those words that people have cursed you with, and you know what, there is power in the tongue, when somebody says you're always going to be this, and you're always going to be that, what it did was beat you down, Beat you, beat you, beat you to the point where you know what? If they don't believe in me, what's the whole point of even trying? But here comes God that turns all that away around, okay? What the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for good. So what happens is no matter if you were the biggest drug dealer, the biggest mafia guy, it don't matter, okay? The biggest things that you have done in your past, okay? The things that you have done... That were the worst of the worst. Whether you slept with your brother's wife. Slept with your sister's husband. You know. Or go further. Even if you killed somebody. You know what I'm saying? You got into a car. You were drunk. And you killed somebody. Alright? And the reason why I'm bringing up these certain things. And trust me. Even though if you haven't done these things. It doesn't make you less than. Okay? I want to make that clear. Just because, you know, you've never killed anybody or you've never had a drug problem doesn't mean that God can't use your testimony in his own way. Okay? Everybody is important. 
everything that we've done in our past, in our the times of darkness, the times of wickedness, you know, where people are like, well, everybody does it, so it's not really that bad. No, what God's word says is true. Regardless if the world says, you know what, it wasn't really that bad. I understand what you did. No, it's still adultery. It's still murder. But here comes the grace of God. What happens is he takes that testimony, what the enemy meant for evil, okay? Everything that your family saw, everything that your friends have saw, and they go, you know what? Oh, I'll never forgive them. I'll never, you know, forget what they've done. Okay, well, here comes how God is, okay? He uses that. He will use every single mistake in your life, okay? He will use every single mistake. No matter if it came to those mistakes where you even lost your children, okay? Let's get down to some real stuff, you know? And I'm not saying killing and all that stuff ain't real, but let's get down to even those other kind of things that we have done to where we've sinned and we've lost our children or we've ended up in jail for something that, you know, we allowed our emotions to get the best of us. Because nobody can make us do anything that we don't want to do, you know. So what God does, okay, in that very moment is like, okay, in order to make you a brand new creation, yeah, you're no longer that same person. But what he's going to do is use your testimony. The more you have messed up in this world is the more the more you're going to be able to touch those that nobody else can reach. Okay? You are going to touch the drug dealers. You're going to tr- um you're going to touch those that have been addicted, that have overdosed on heroin, that have sold drugs, that have prostituted themselves, whether you prostituted yourself, Either way, it comes to the point where you're going to touch those, okay, that are in the darkest of dark, darkness. What's going to happen is you're going to touch those, okay? So it comes to a point where, okay, those ones that have never been in your place, you're going to understand where people are coming from because you've been through it. That is what your testimony is. He's going to use that testimony to touch his people. Before you know it, people are going to look at you and see the transformation that God's going to do in your life that has done in your life and say, you know what? If God can deliver him from all the stuff that he says, you know, his testimony, you know, all the things that he testifies about, that you know what, God could do something for me. You know what, I want to meet this God that you're talking about. You know, I want to meet this Jesus Christ that I want to accept Jesus into my life. If Jesus could do that for you, then he could definitely do it for me. Even though there's sometimes, you know, it happens in human nature where we're like, I wasn't as bad as you or you know what, bro, me and you, we're talking the same story. It's like if you're telling my life story. So you know what? I want to know who this God is. That's where God is going to use you. It don't matter if you are the messed up of the messed up. If the thing is, it doesn't... What people think is like they have to get their lives together in order to come to church. Uh, No. The church is full of messed up people. We sin every single day, but... Those sins aren't going to, you know... The sins that we do every day... Okay, it comes to a point where God is still working with us. And, you know, and sorry, and Philippians 1.6 says, God is never going to be done working with us until Jesus Christ comes. That means, like, you know what? The more you fall, but the more you get up, he's going to keep using you. 
that time you fell as a Christian, what's going to happen is God's going to use that as a testimony. That way for those who are also struggling in Christianity, what's going to happen is, you know what? I fell. I was in the darkest of darkness. I backslid. I did this. I did that. You know, it comes to a point where it's just like, wow, and God forgave you? Yes. Because earlier I read the scripture that says he will remember our wickedness no more. He chooses. So what the this world is teaching us, the different churches are teaching us is like, oh, well, your sins just keep piling up. Once a mess up, always a mess up. Or we have to, you know, keep beating ourselves because of the things that we have done. Yeah, when we have remorse, when we have guilt, when we have shame, what that shows is that, you know what, God is not done with you. When we feel that kind of conviction, that shows that God's not done with us. That is proof in our own lives that God is not done with us. What that shows is, you know what? The ones that don't feel remorse, the ones that don't feel guilt, the ones that are like, eh, it happened, it happened, oh well. It comes to a point where if you don't feel that guilt, if you don't feel that conviction in your spirit, then there's something wrong. Then you're in the danger zone. But when you're feeling that guilt and you're feeling that shame, what that's doing is the Holy Spirit in you and your flesh are wrestling at that moment. Are wrestling saying, you know what? I want to do right, God. That's when we have to feel that guilt. We have to feel that shame. Not because it's something that is bad, but it's because it's something that it's inside of our spirit that God is saying, you know what? You're struggling. There's something, this thing right here has you. I need you to give it to me. I need you to come to me right now and tell me you need me because I cannot do anything until you confess it with your mouth. Lord, I can't do this no more. Lord, take this away from me. Lord, I don't want to struggle in this area no more. I don't want pride. I don't want to be arrogant. I want you to change me. I want you to transform me. I want you to restore me. Then when it comes to that point, when you go in him, go to him in prayer, he's going to do it. And that is a promise. You see what I'm saying? That is a promise. And there's a lot of things that we have seen in our family lives that, you know what, we look at to say, you know what, and not to judge them. Like, you know what, I'm never going to be like there. Or, you know what, I'm turning into my father. I'm turning into my mother. I'm turning into my sister. And you know what, I don't want this. I don't want this. I'm tired of being in and out of jail. God, help me. Because you have the Holy Spirit in you, it's going to activate. And it's going to say, okay, now go to the word. You have a problem with anger? Look up the scriptures of anger. You have a problem with addiction? Look up the scriptures of addiction. You have a problem with adultery? Look up the scriptures of adultery. And the more and more you learn is the more and more you're going to defeat. Okay? You are going to go into the battleground. You are going to team up with God. You're going to team up with the Holy Spirit saying, okay, I'm going to read your word and the Holy Spirit in me is going to activate and show me how to do it. So that's how it works. So we got to keep pushing. Whatever it is, God can deliver you and turn it your whole life around and do a whole 180. And there's a lot of times people go, you know what? I'm always going to be like this. What you're doing, you're cursing yourself. When somebody else curses you, you know what? Start praying. You know what, God? Every curse that has came my way, reverse it. Not to prove them wrong, but to help me to be what I need to be for you. When we start putting God first, you know, and we start doing it for him. Okay? That's why the Bible says, put 
God first and all things will be added to you. Okay, you put him first and all things will be added to you. You put him first, he'll give you back your family. You put him first, he'll give you that job. He, You put him first, okay? And it don't matter if you're on probation because I've heard testimonies where people have been on probation. They have been, you know, in prison so many years and it comes to a point where they go out, they try to get jobs and they can't do it because people go, oh, well, you've done a felony. You did the, you checked the yes box. And it's just like, no, what God can do is say, okay, it's turn it all around to put you in that person's heart. You know what? Give them a chance. And before you know it, people will be like, you know what? I'm going to give you a chance. I see right now you're, you're, um, you're qualified, you know, but your past does have some things in it. But you know what? I'm going to give you a chance. It's like brothers and sisters, that's God. That's God's mercy. That's God's grace. You keep pushing forward and practicing the righteousness. We're never going to be perfect. Never. Okay? We're never going to be perfect. And anybody that says, oh, well, they've made it somehow. No. The only way you're ever going to make it, the only way you know that you have made it, is if you're standing in front of God himself and you're in heaven. It's not going to happen here on this earth. But you know what? God can change your life to where he will reverse everything that the devil has stole from you. You know, so the next time you wonder or are asked, what is the difference between this religion and that one? Remember John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is God who sends people to Christ. John chapter 6, verse 37. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. That is a promise. He will never reject you. Ever. And if you want, go to the Bible right now. Go to John chapter 6, verse 37, and keep reading, brothers and sisters, because you know what? That is his promise. He will never reject you. And the Holy Spirit who helps us, okay? And this is John chapter 14, verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Okay, which means when we get into the word, okay, don't worry so much about memorizing scripture. If you have the brains for it, if God gave you the mentality to do it, then memorize. Please do. Okay, God is using you in certain gifts that you know what? Not everybody has. If you can memorize it, memorize it. Okay. But if you can't memorize it and you go, oh, well, my brain's this or my brain's that. I can't memorize things. Don't beat yourself down. Okay. God created you. And there's a lot of times, you know, just like earlier how I said about the thorn. We keep asking God to do something. But the reason why sometimes he doesn't do it is because he wants us to depend on him. And let's face it. There's sometimes where if we know we can do it, we don't really depend on anybody else. We'll just do it ourselves. And that's where God does not want us to do. 
But remember that. Remember that there is only three, okay? No one else can lead you to the Father. No one else can give you to Jesus but the Father. And no one else is an advocate for Jesus and the Father but the Holy Spirit. Any other teaching that is teaching that, reject it. Because that's what the Bible tells us. Okay? So, in closing, okay, this is the last scripture. But in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, okay, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay? So, see, that scripture is also called a salvation prayer, which is for people that never received Christ before. But it's also called a sinner's prayer, which means it's for people that, are ready Christians that, you know, ready received Christ in their hearts. But the thing is, it's like, so it goes both ways, okay? So if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, okay, just as Romans 10 describes, all right? If you were believed that somebody else can lead you to Jesus, Okay, like other religions do. They take out the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of times people say, oh, well, um, you have to go through all these other gods. You have to go through all these other steps in order to get to God. The Bible says it right there. Jesus is the way to God. And if you reject Jesus, you know, and there's other scriptures, which later on I'm going to do more studies about. There's other scriptures that even prove that, you know what, if you reject Jesus, you're rejecting the Father. So, if you will repeat after me to receive Jesus Christ in your life, or if you've had a relationship with them, but you fell behind, you know, and you want to dedicate your life back to Christ, please repeat after me. Lord Jesus, please forgive me for all my sins, for I believe that I am a sinner, and I believe that you died on the cross and resurrected on the third day. Come into my life and be Lord. Help me to do your will. Because I need you. And I accept you. Because I know what you did on the cross was for me. For my sins. For you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for listening in. God bless.